Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Great. It's been an awesome conference. You know, some people chase the crowd, but others chase the cloud. And uh, we've had the cloud of God's glory here the last couple of days. God takes care of the crowd, but we just got to chase the cloud. Uh, you know, some people chase the show, but Moses comes down from the mountain with the glow. And there's been a glow on this place the last couple of days. The presence of God. Some of you are laughing at my alliteration there, all that carry on. But I love that stuff. So it makes me remember when you forget things, you know. But um, the presence of God, you know, has been so, so strong. My prayer is that today will be a moment for many of you, not because of the preacher, but because of the Word of God. Because there are moments in our lives that change us forever. You know, there are sermons. While I was sick in hospital, I wrote 108 outlines. I was sick and over a period of a year. And you so want to preach those new messages. And yet there are some things looking back. They weren't messages. They were truths that changed your life. And that's what I want to do today because, one, I know they work. They've worked in my tough times. They've worked in my good times. And so I pray for an impartation today. As we share the Word of God, we'll get on with it quickly, but three scriptures I want to read. I came into the Italian service this morning, and it was finished by the scripture I'm uh, going to quote in just a moment. And so God is obviously wanting to say something, but uh, my first scripture today is Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, since we, have, we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. 2 Timothy 4, many of us know this scripture, verses 7 to 8, I want to read in the message version. I'm running hard right to the finish. I'm, I'm running hard right to the finish. Believing all the way, all that's left now is the shouting. God's applause. Depend on it. He is honest judge. He'll do right, not only by me, but everyone eager for his coming. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 16. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on the one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward in what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. I've always had a deep passion to finish strong. I want to finish my race well. I did a study through scriptures a few years ago and found only one in six leaders finished really strong. You think, wow, you know, I want to finish strong. I don't want to have a good start, an average in the middle and an average finish. I want to finish my race strong. I have three titles for this message. You choose the one you want. 
One's called the broken suitcase. Another one is called finishing strong and doing the full journey of faith. And I pray God will speak to you. You see, Paul finished his race well, the writer of most of the New Testament or the epistles there. Jesus finished his race well. Many, many examples, many examples in our lifetime. My mother-in-law at the age of 94 was talking to her grandchildren and great-grandchildren around her deathbed to follow Jesus. She sang a song, Soon We'll See Jesus, only a few hours before she passed. My brother-in-law was playing the ukulele. The family was around the bed. As we began to sing, she stopped and said to her son, you're singing out of tune. (laughs) And she started prophesying over the family as she went home to be with the Lord. She didn't know all the scriptures, but she knew the Lord. Being on a farm with 10 children, I'm an only child and I'm Italian. How does that work? Ten children and she's Australian. And, um, you you know, on a farm in Western Australia where they couldn't get to the doctor after a snake bite. And she would pray for her children and God would heal them. She didn't know where all the scriptures were found, but she had this walk with God that in Adelaide people would go and make appointments with her so she would lay hands on them and pray for them. She had a strong finish. I wonder this morning if you've ever heard of these names. Now, Italians, be careful with this one. Shammer you are. Now, that's a name in the Bible. And I think that's not for the Italians to tell off their kids. Shammer you are. Shafat. Egal. Palti. Gadiel. I wonder how many of you would like to name your children these names when you have kids. Gaddy, son of Susi. Maybe that's where Sushi comes from. I don't know. Amiel, son of Gamali. Sether. Nabi, son of Vopi. Guel, son of Maki. That's maybe where McDonald started. I don't know. Giel, son of Maki. Many of you have never heard those names. Have you heard these two? Joshua. Caleb. See, they were the names of 10 of the spies that tried to hold back the move of God of going into the promised land. Both these men, Joshua and Caleb, finished well. We're proud to be associated with those names and we name our kids after them. Joshua at 110 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say, as for me and my ministry. He didn't say, as for me and the people in the promised land that I took over, as for me and my house. What's touched me over the last two or three days, I've said it a few times, is the generations in this church. There's so many grandparents in this church that can say, as for me and my house. My auntie's here today and my dad's sister, and uh, she hadn't been to church for a long time. She's in a home. And uh, she said she wanted to come so she could love on me and pray for me as I was speaking. And I'm thinking, wow, generational blessing. Isn't it so great? As for me and my house. Caleb, at the age of 85, says, give me my mountain. You know, the trouble today is everybody wants somebody else's mountain. But it was a personal mountain. It was a promised mountain. It was possible and it was possessed. Give me my mountain at 85 years of age. But the other 10 men had a great start. They just couldn't finish and therefore delayed Israel's realisation of the promised land for 40 years. A whole generation perished in the Sinai desert 
because these guys couldn't finish well. These were guys that had been handpicked by Moses. They were good guys. It's not that they were bad guys, but somewhere along the line, they got a little lost. Our text today, or one of the scriptures, talks about endurance. Endurance separates the men from the boys. Endurance is the fruit of godly character. It is a marathon. It's a long race. It's not about speed, but grit, determination, and finishing power. How many of you have heard the name Billy Graham? (laughs) We all have. Every president that's still alive today said that Billy Graham never lived for himself but he lived for the message in his heart and he's impacted more people. If you've got Netflix, go and watch the documentary on Billy Graham's life. It'll touch your life. There's also a movie on Netflix that normally you can't recommend movies in church. This one I can called Woodlawn. And it's the movie just recently done by Hollywood about the Jesus movement that started all those years ago that caused a revolution because of one high school chaplain who turns an entire school into the kingdom of God through sharing the love of Jesus. We've all heard of Billy Graham and what a legacy he's left behind. But I wonder if you've heard of Chuck Templeton or Bron Clifford. These two guys packed auditoriums in 1945. Billy Graham and these two guys were all in their mid-twenties and they grew up together. Chuck Templeton was at one time called the most gifted preacher in the USA. Most thought he would go further than Billy Graham. Amazing man who becomes an agnostic, turns away from God. And before he dies at the age of 85, he said, Jesus is the most important person in my life. I know it sounds strange, but I have to say I adore him. He did finish and that's great. But what a waste of a life. To have so much of his life wasted. One of the most greatest gifts. Now, I'm not trying to be rude this morning, but I just can't watch Nick Kyrgios play tennis. Why? Because I don't care how good your gift is. Where's the character? Where's the character? In 1946, the National Association of Evangelicals uh, published an article on men who were best used of God. And Chuck Templeton was mentioned, but not Billy Graham. Amazing, hey? Bron Clifford was also a young man who preached to thousands in Miami. People lined up 10 and 12 deep outside to get to hear him preach. He preached in the Baylor University and the president of the university ordered the class bells to be turned off so that this young man could minister without interruption. For two hours and 15 minutes, he kept the students on the edge of their seats as he preached on Christ and the philosopher's stone. At the age of 25, he had touched more lives, influenced more leaders, and set more attendance records than any other clergyman in his age in American history. Hollywood invited him to audition for the part of Marcellus in the movie The Robe. He had everything. Five years later, he lost his family, his ministry, his health, and his life. Alcohol and financial irresponsibility had done him in. He left his wife and two Down syndrome children and died at the age of 35 of sclerosis of the liver in a rundown hotel. He died unwept, unhonored, 
and unsung. Pastors took up a collection to buy a coffin so his body could be shipped back east for a decent burial. How sad. And yet, when God says we can finish strong, he doesn't just tell us we do that in our own strength, but he empowers. This conference has been called Empower. He empowers us to finish strong. I look back, you know, I was last night up late praying over this and this morning my wife had like a kidney stone attack. That's why she's not here this morning. My daughter's probably taking her to hospital right now. And you think maybe I shouldn't preach the kind of sermons I'm preaching because I'm going to have to live it out. But friends, there is a strength. There is a power that comes when we know that God empowers us to finish strong. I want to tell you my story because it impacts me so much. It was a few years ago and I was in Scotland. I had to go to Sweden to speak at a pastor's conference and we had to leave at four o'clock in the morning. And we're in this tiny little pub, about four stories in Scotland and the uh, lift broke and I had two suitcases. So I had to walk down these flights of stairs with these suitcases and by the time I got to the bottom, my suitcase split open and all the clothes came falling out. I'd bought shoes for my kids and for myself and, 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 and presents while I was there and, and, and it's funny what was in that suitcase because I couldn't get it all back in. Suitcase was broken and I got on my knees trying to fix the suitcase and I said, I want to go home. I'd already been on the road for three weeks, still had another two weeks to go and I just, that early in the morning, broken suitcase and the Holy Spirit spoke into my heart. He said, you know how many Christians go on their journey of faith and somewhere along the way the stuffing falls out of their broken lives and they go, I've had enough. I don't want to do this anymore. Life's just too tough. And God said, just like you feel right now with this broken suitcase, I don't repair the suitcase. I turn you into a brand new suitcase. I, I do something so new and so fresh. One of the drivers that was driving me had only just bought a new suitcase. He drove home, got the suitcase and brought it back and gave it to me. He says, this gift is for you. And I was able to fix my suitcase well, not fix my suitcase, get the new one, and went on to Sweden. When I got to Sweden, it was a Pentecostal pastors' convention, and they had about 3,500 pastors from Eastern Europe. And the older pastor said to me, Danny, we got no future church planters. There's no young people in our churches. And I go, really? Will you pray with us? And I go, wow, of course. I had an unchurched person traveling with me. He was blown away by what was happening. And he says to me, I'll never forget what happened that night. What happened is during the day while I was praying, God said, what I want you to do is that I want you to get all the people under 30 to come and stand on the platform with you, anoint them with the Elisha anointing, and then send them back out to pray for the older generation and honor them for the seeds that have been passed down. One of the pastors says, you're not going to get many out. There's no young people around. I am not lying to you now. I'm telling you the absolute truth. Between 1,200 and 1,500 young people. They didn't fit on the stage. They were down the aisles. And what happened was the tears began to flow as people didn't even realise these young people were just sitting in the crowd. 
And as I prayed for these young people, the power of God filled the room. And I said, now go out and pray for all the people out there that are older than you and pray that their wisdom will come onto you. And the place just cracked open, tears everywhere. I was back there two years later. They said, you know what happened that night? So many young people got the call of God that we've planted more churches in that two-year period than we've done for years and years, not realising that we had all that right under our nose. What would have happened if I'd gone home? What would have happened if I'd given up halfway through the race because of the broken suitcase? But I'm glad I could put things together and keep running the race and keep going because there's other people on the other side of our obedience. Other people on the other side of our obedience. And so that really impacted me. And I thought a lot of people are feeling broken and we need to be broken but open so that God can come and heal. Let me prophesy what the future church is going to look like. Not perfect Christians, not churchians, but broken people, honest about their brokenness, believing there's a God that can heal them and take them on their full journey of faith and take them in a place where they may have started all broken, but the healing of God in their lives has made them a testimony. So our tears become a river of refreshing for the people that come after us. It was only a short time after that trip that I'd gone to Africa. And I was in Africa and I was in Zimbabwe, I think. And what I couldn't understand is that some people with broken limbs in pain and sick would walk two hours to get to church. No air conditioning, just an old hut and happy and smiling. No Prozac, no depression tablets. And I on my way home, was in Johannesburg Airport. We were about to take off. And I said to God, why is it that we always talk about the miracles in Africa and then when home, we don't see so much? When I landed in Sydney, and I'll go back to the story, but when I landed in Sydney, waiting to come to Adelaide, the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald in the Qantas Club, and I picked it up to read it, said 11-year-old children in Australia on Prozac tablets because of depression. But I didn't see that in Africa. And as I'm on the tarmac, I said, God, why? And this is what he said to me, because Western Christians don't go on the full journey of faith. And I thought, well, that's great, but I don't know what the full journey of faith is. And in those days, we didn't have iPhones, and I just had a pad in my pocket and a pen. And I wrote down what I'm about to give to you. What I'm about to give to you didn't just change me. And it helped me when Chris passed away. But at the time I was leading a church, it became a culture of our church. That when the minute new Christians would come in, we would take them on the journey of faith. We would teach them the journey of faith. Here we go. I'm just going to put number one up first. The first stage of the journey of faith is what I call comfort. It's the good news. I grew up for many years just thinking God didn't like me and it wasn't good news. And I remember the day when I had a revelation of how much God loved me that I want to tell you, friends, you know, people are scared of the church. When you talk to people out there, they say, what do you think when you hear words like, uh, you know, kind and nice and all that? They go, oh, that's really being human. But when you, uh, they don't relate those words to the church. When you hear the word church, a study was done in Australia and they said, what happens? What do you think when you hear the word church? They think judgmental, 
pious, religious, rigid. And I think we should be the number one place people can run to, the church of Jesus, because we have a message of comfort and hope. It's good news, my friend, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And so stage one is that comfort stage. But then we go to stage two. And when we go to stage two, we get connected. Yes, they all start with C. Stop laughing. They do start with C. We get connected to God's family. So we just get comforted, but then we get connected to God's family. Can I say something this morning? Do you know how many Christians never step out of stage two? They only stay in comfort and connection. So when the comfort, you don't feel it anymore. I just can't feel God. I just can't feel it. I felt God every meeting this last couple of days, but there's lots of times when Chris died, I didn't feel God. I just felt pain. But I still trusted God because of this journey, which I'm explaining today. You see, some Christians, when they're no longer connected in a church, they disconnect. They go to another church to find comfort and connection until that stops and they go to another one to find comfort and connection because they don't go to stage three. Stage three is the cause of Jesus Christ. It's the cause of Jesus Christ that we do. Yes, the gospel comforts us. And yes, the gospel connects us. And we can connect and be comforted without being a Christian and come to church and people love you. And it's awesome. But there's got to come a day. We've got to answer the question, was Jesus who he said he was or was he lying? He said, I'm the only way to God. I am the way, the truth and the life. Only a lunatic could say that if it wasn't true. Don't tell me Jesus was a good leader. He was a madman if he didn't say the truth. And I believe today that as a young man, I encountered the cause of Jesus Christ. So when the connection's not there, when the comfort's not there, the cause of Christ will still keep me going. The cause of Christ is what will take my life forward. And I might not always have the comfort or the connection, but thank Him for the cause. Then number four, once you embrace the cause, you make a commitment. Do you know how many Christians make a commitment to church but never to the cause? And then they get offended. And then they leave because they didn't visit me when I was sick or I've been working in the kitchen all this time and nobody's even bothered to stop by and say hello. In the early days of our church, people would stop me. Go, you need to go and thank those people because they've been serving for so long and you've never even stopped to say thank you. And I said, you know what? I'd be more than happy to do that, but I might do them damage. Because if they were doing what they're doing to be thanked by the people around them, then one day people might not be there to thank you. Or it might be years before you get a thank you. You see, we can't just stay in comfort and connection. We've got to embrace the cause of Jesus Christ. And Jesus always appreciates what we do for Him. Whether it's in the light or in the darkness, He appreciates what we do for Him. And once you've had a revelation of the cause, then you make a commitment. Once you make a commitment, guess what can happen? Next stage. Can we put the next one up? Thank you. Crisis. Someone said to me one day, Pastor Danny, is speaking in tongues the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? I said, nah. They go, really? What is? I said, trouble. <laughs> See, once you make a commitment, the devil doesn't like you. He doesn't like you at all because now you're going to start to become dangerous. And so what happens is you make that commitment and he'll throw the book at you. 
And I want to tell you, there's been many times when the book's been thrown at me and other many pastors and pastors here today. But I want to tell you, my commitment again is not to the connection to the church or to the comfort. It's to the cause of Christ. And when I make that commitment, I'm going to have to go through crisis. But they are the reversals of God that God takes us and molds us and shapes us. So our endurance will have a chance to grow. But once we go through crisis, we go to the next stage and our convictions are formed. You know, it's only, not only, but mostly in the tough times that what you really believe comes to the surface. It's one thing to say, I believe God heals, but when it doesn't happen in your life, well, I don't believe it anymore. I still believe God heals, but he makes every decision from eternity. And I know that. But let me see, I've got convictions that are not negotiable. They're not preferences, they're convictions. And the crisis moments in my life have established my convictions. So last of all, I can do the last point, which is consistency. Comfort, connection, commitment, sorry, cause, commitment, crisis, conviction, and consistency. The seven stages of the journey of faith. I'm just on the airport waiting to take off. By the way, when you get off the plane, you can say tarmac, but when you get on the plane, don't say hijack. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the dad jokes don't get better. Okay. But as I'm about to put my little book back in my pocket, I felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm not finished. I'll show you what each stage reveals. So if we can go to the next chart now, comfort reveals Christ. When the gospel touches us for real, we fall in love with Jesus. Something happens to us and we have a revelation of Christ. When we get connected, we have a revelation of the church and the power of the church. But when we embrace the cause of Christ, we have a revelation of the cross. Do you know how many people don't understand the power of the cross? Anybody can die for a good cause. But I haven't seen too many other people resurrected. Heard the story of the man who went over to Israel on a trip with his wife. And while they were there, she passed away. And the people in Israel says, look, we can, we can do the funeral here. It will only cost a couple of thousand dollars. But to take her back to Australia, that could cost $25,000. What would you like to do? He said, oh, can we keep her here? No, take her back to Australia, sorry. Can we take her? You want to pay all that money to take her back to Australia? Yes, please. He says, because uh, there was a time here when someone else was buried and they came back to life and so they were resurrected and just <laughs> don't want to take that chance. <laughs> Cause reveals the cross. Commitment brings us into community. See, when we're committed to Christ, we serve in the winter and in summer. We serve in every season. It was really hard the first two years after Chris's passing because every church I preached in wanted to hear how we were coping with the story. So you've got to keep telling the story over and over again. But because of commitment to Jesus Christ, I can bless community and prayed for other people that were broken when I'm still dealing with my own brokenness. Because when you make that commitment, you're not the Lone Ranger. And even he had Tonto. I mean, it's not like he was alone. Batman had Robin. 
You know, it's like we're not meant to do life. The animals went into the ark two by two. We're not meant to stay home and watch Joyce Meyer on TV only, unless you're incapacitated and can't get to fellowship. Just being in a room together in community because we're all committed to Christ, just rubbing shoulders with each other is enough to encourage us and take us somewhere great. Crisis builds our character. It builds up our character. And we all need to be built in our character and crisis does that so well. And then our convictions become our credentials. The credibility, that's where credential comes from, credibility. There's one thing that I just can't handle and I need God to help me with, is when people speak so religious and so what they call super spiros, that walk, I'm not talking about a Greek guy called Spiro, but super spirituals that walk around preaching and the Bible at people, but it's not working in their lives. It's like a parroting off of religious stuff. Because when our convictions become our credentials, you don't just speak your character. It just comes out of you and people love being around you. I'm not saying this to boast and I haven't arrived and I'm growing in my character. But I've got so many non-Christian friends now. So many. One of them rang me the other day. He goes, I just needed to hear your voice and tell me it's going to be okay. It's not a Christian yet. Last night, after being impacted by Pastor Tark's prayer message, I went into prayer again and God said, time's running out and you need to confront him now with absolute surrender to Jesus Christ, which I'll do this week. But you see, crisis affects your character, but my convictions become my credentials. I'm not leading him into a religious exercise just to get him into heaven because I've got stuff to say that because of conviction, it will land in the right place. And our consistency will take us to the completion of our faith. I have finished the race. I've remained faithful. You notice Paul says, I fought the good fight. Some people fight, but they fight the wrong fight. They fight the fight to leave their marriage rather than fight the fight to keep it going. They fight the fight to walk away from pain rather than to learn from it. Life is a fight, my friends. Either way, non-Christians out there, I, I don't know what I would have done with losing Chris, diagnosed with cancer. But yesterday afternoon, see, in, in 2017, I had a bowel operation where I had a growth between both my bowels and, and, and it was a major tumour and it was quite large. And I get a phone call from a guy in America yesterday afternoon. He said, will you ring so-and-so in Brisbane because he's really sad and he does, he's already been through cancer so I rang his wife yesterday afternoon after we left here and she says to me, he's just been diagnosed with a growth between the two bowels and the doctor's going to have to operate. And I said, you're going to be okay. Let me tell you my story. And let me tell you, just tell him it's, you know, it's going to be fine. And as I told her, she goes, really? And you've been through that? Yes, I did. And I got an infection afterwards. I said, but I'm still going. I said, the growth I've got, I didn't say it. You know, I was going to say, the growth I've got now has got nothing to do with that one. But, you know, um, and through your own convictions and your own journey, you can help others. Because there's a consistency of faith that brings you to the completion of our faith. I want the musicians to come this morning. You see, I'm going to invite you to come on this journey. It's a great journey. 
Where are you this morning? Are you in comfort stage? Maybe you've moved on to connection stage. I was in prayer this morning. And you know what the Lord said to me? There are people sitting in churches with great gifts, but they have folded their arms and gone, I've been hurt in church before and I'm not going to get hurt again. Winky Prattney, that's a name, not a disease. And um, that's a name of a guy. A wonderful man of God. You know what he said to me when I was 19? He said to me, Danny, if you don't want to be walked all over, join another club. Because serving Jesus, you'll be misunderstood. You'll be misquoted. You'll be walked all over at times. Are you prepared to be walked all over because you love Jesus? Are you prepared to do it because of Him? As long as you know that you have the approval of heaven. And you know, I say this with absolute humility today. (laughs) I lost a lot of friendships. I lost a lot of relationships because of deep conviction. I may not have always done everything right, but I think I've always been willing to be corrected if I'm wrong. And it got so lonely at times. We'd have great attendance at church. Do you know how many times I preached on a Sunday and went home and I thought, I don't ever want to do this again? Because I felt while I was preaching that there was anger coming towards me. When I was preaching the Word of God, God had put in my heart because people thought I was having a go at them. How much more commitment does He want? What's he asking? I'm not asking for anything. How many times do I've had future staff that we didn't put on staff because of this? So if I join the staff, how many things do I have to go to? You don't have to go to anything because I only go to what I want to go to because of my love for God. It's not about how many programs, how many services on a Sunday do I have to be in? None. It's not have to, it's love to because I love Jesus. And this morning, maybe you've stayed in comfort and connection and you do feel you have the cause, but you haven't made a commitment to community. Do you know what we're doing in churches right now, which is so wrong, is we're paying people to do the ministry rather than raising up people to equip the church to do the ministry. Every believer is a minister and every believer should do the ministry and we should equip you to be, and you know, if you let go of hurts and you let go of stuff, you go, it doesn't matter, nothing's going to touch me because I'm going to do the full journey of faith. I'm going to go from comfort to connection. I'm going to embrace the cause of Jesus. I'm going to make a commitment. And because of that, crisis won't stop me because I have convictions. And because of that, I can be consistent and I can complete my journey of faith. Oh, wow. Can we bow our heads in prayer this morning? As I was praying this morning, I felt there may be some people here today, you haven't even started the journey. You haven't started, you don't even know the comfort of Jesus. You've come to this church a few times. Maybe one of your relatives has been changed and you're curious. You're open but cautious. And I don't know why I have to say this this morning, but I feel the Holy Spirit really wants me to say it. Friends, I don't know what religious background you've come from, but this place is not a cult. This is not a weird mob of people. This is a real people that love a real Jesus and they have a hope for a broken world. But let me tell you, as good as it is, every church will make mistakes because we all do. I'm, I'm a Christian, I make mistakes. But Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, 
He wants to connect with you and comfort you with the truth of who He is. And while every head's bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you go, you know what, Danny, I haven't even started the journey. I'm a bit nervous, I'm scared and I don't understand it all. But can you pray for me that God will help me start that journey? We do that by inviting Christ to connect with us. We say, Jesus, if you really are the Son of God and you rose from the dead and you make the promise of eternal life, will you connect with me and open my heart up to you? And you know what? He will answer that prayer if you mean it from all your heart. And if you're here today, and I'm not going to embarrass you and every head's bowed, but you feel like, you know, I've never started that journey. I need to start that journey. I'm not going to push you, but I'm going to ask if that's you. Lift up your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Somebody else today. I believe there's three or four people, up to five people here today that you know you want to start that journey. It's a great journey, guys. I couldn't have done my pain without Christ. Where's those other people? Lift up your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down again. Thank you. God bless you. A couple more today. Around Thank you. God bless you. Just senses one more. God loves you today. Just thank you. God bless you. Oh, Jesus, today, we love you. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us and you take us on this amazing journey of faith. It's possible because of your power to, to walk. You don't walk behind us. And sometimes you do walk ahead of us so we can follow you, but most of the time you walk beside us and lead us by your hand. Every hand that's been raised today, may today be a new beginning of the journey of faith for them. I pray in Jesus' name, if you lifted your hand, please, I'll wait at the end of the service. You can come and talk to me. I'll pray with you, talk to you, explain more to you. But if you've come with friends or, or you know people, please open up the conversation and let us take you on that journey. I know time is gone, but there are people in this room and you are in crisis right now. You're stuck in that part of your journey of faith. And there's crisis and you think, is this the devil? Is this God trying to teach me something? And there's been a discouragement. If that's you, please lift up your hand. I'm going to pray that God's going to touch you today in your crisis. Thank you, God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. Many, many hands. Thank you, God bless you. Father, oh God, in this short moment of prayer, I just pray that it will be very meaningful that, Lord, even what's been shared today, there's an impartation that will cause people to lift from understanding that even in their crisis, you are Lord and you are building them and you're not going to bash them. You're building them. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. I felt there was someone here today that you just don't know what your convictions are. And over the next two months, God's going to clarify your convictions. And you need to go to prayer Bible study, wherever the Word of God's being preached in the life of this church, you need to be there as God's going to clarify your convictions because you're not sure what's a preference, what's a conviction. Could you lift up your hand if that's you? I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring clarity to you. Just lift it up. I can see it. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you, God bless you. And I'll just close with this. Please don't be embarrassed by this. There's some of you, you find it hard to be consistent. You know, you come for a while, you get excited, and then things get flat. And, and you say, God, I'm sick of being up and down like a yo-yo. 
I want to be consistent. Could you lift up your hand? I'm going to pray for the journey of faith to become your journey. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless you. Father, I thank you for the consistency of the journey of faith. God, touch these dear people today, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, guys, let's go on the journey. Let's go on the journey of faith. It's worth it. God bless you. The Bible says, and Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favour with God and in favour with man. And if Jesus had to grow, how much more do we need to grow? I don't want to stagnate. We're, we're either moving forward or we're moving backward. We're never still. And so I want to keep on growing. I want to become more and more like Jesus every single day. I want to talk more like Him. I want to think more like Him, act more like Him, behave like See what He sees in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's great to have you in church this morning. We'll see you back tonight.